Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you to the voice of Dick Warren. That's the voice of Dick Warren welcoming us to another edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McCollum, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. Uh, here today, not with Alex Terranova. I've got an interloper, an, an, an aspirant to the throne of Alex. Uh, state your name for the record, sir. Happily. Hey, everybody. This is Craig Cassie. Not yet a master certified coach, but one day. You are, in fact, a professional executive life coach, a coach trainer, and a sex coach. Is that true? Yes, D to all the above. Is there, is there a reason there was a pause? Is there, you just, you're not sure? You don't like to? A message just popped up on my iPad, and I'm slow to the draw. My caffeine has not yet kicked in, believe it or not. I'm not naturally caffeinated, have not yet had that breakthrough, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only person who stopped at sex coach. So now you sound like my mother. <laughs> she was stopped by I'm not 100% sure I'm not. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second because nobody's listening to anything else. <laughs> well, it wasn't intentional, but when I first got into this work, uh, maybe it's my being or just my out loud nature on social media, talking about all parts of my life, including how to have a healthier and happier time in better outside, that my clients kept bringing requests to me around their own intimate lives. And now I identify as a gay male. I'm a you know millennial through and through. But these clients who I was working with, they were suburban housewives and dads in their 40s and 50s who were looking to the secret to actually turn the heat back on. Or they were people who never felt they could fully express their sexual desire to their partner before. So I actually fell into sex coaching not because uh, I woke up one day and like proclaimed that I would be <laughs> the person to make a difference, just that people kept bringing me back to the work. And I decided to lean in to give myself to it and to really hone my skills to better support them. I'm impressed. And you mix that with working with executives. Um, so what's the, what's the common theme? Because I know that you're also uh, supporting people in building huge businesses. You're also out there with the C-suite folks. What's the, what's the common thread between building somebody to somebody's business and uh, building somebody's business? <laughs> Thank you for that emphasis there. Yeah, no, just made that up. Go ahead. <laughs> it all comes down, as I experience it, to one of three things. Uh, it's really working on letting go of the shame around the missed opportunities or the misstep in business that I find really holds people back. And then shame in our own relationships, uh, especially the past ones that maybe didn't work out so well or where we expressed our interests, our desires. We made that, that bid for connection and we got the no. We made it mean something about us. So that I see is a big thing, especially in entrepreneurs or for people starting up that holds them back. It's those shame-based narratives. And the other two are interrelated. It's about being courageous and being audacious. It's about not playing by the rules that we've been given, both in bed or in business, but learning really what's going to serve us and make a difference. And then being relentless as we go at it from a place of curiosity repeatedly again and again and again. 
I, yeah, I, it's funny that you want to go beyond the rules in bed because I kept asking somebody to explain them to me. Just what are the rules in bed? You know, apparently there's something about no raisinets, but I didn't I didn't even know that. Um, well, uh, gosh, I want to get our guest in here in this conversation. Let's uh, let the people know how they can reach to you for any of those supportive, uh, audaciousness, authentic, shame releasing moments. How do we get a hold of you? Happily, I happen to be all over Instagram where I post daily, run lives, and uh, you know Q and A's every Thursday. You can find me at Craig Cassie Jr. or that same thing.com is my personal website. Uh, always happy to support and to you know, lead open conversations about what's truly going on. Now, I know you've done a lot of podcasts, but you have to remember to spell things for people because it's a, a lot of our listeners are in America. So C-R-A-I-G-C-A-S-S-E-Y-J-R. J-R. You got it, Christopher. Thank you. Not the word, J-R.com. Great. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. By the way, how many years have you been a coach for? How many years? How many decades? How many uh, mm, decades? I don't know. Less than three decades old. I've been a coach full time for two years now and been doing positive psychology work for about a decade. Oh, great. Did you do it at Penn or with anyone notable? Or and we actually won a grant at Georgetown. Thanks to the work that UPenn was doing to start a positive psychology community based program. So I got picked up, you know, a friend applied for the grant, knew that I was a total geek for the subject of human thriving and brought me in. So from basically 2012 on, I was helping train TAs and professors and really apply the science of positive psychology on the ground. So big fan of UPenn, um, big fan of the work that they do and excited to grow in that direction in the future. Well, it's going to be a positive show today. I am grateful and, and delighted to have you here, but I am equally, maybe a little more, grateful and delighted <laughs> to have our guest here. Not that it's a contest. I've just known Karen Wright uh, for a long time, and Karen is an extraordinary coach and human being, an amazing, delightful human being, an executive coach and the founder of Parachute Executive Coaching, which is one of the first boutique coaching firms to be able to provide coaching on a global scale. She's a master certified coach, of course, but also holds an MBA a graduate of two accredited coach training programs, which is a great idea, a certified health coach from the Institute of Integrated Nutrition, holds a certificate in applied positive psychology, so you two will have something to talk about, and has studied the neuroscience behind the effectiveness of coaching. In addition, is a trained as a leader for corporate mindfulness programs, a founding member of Coaching for Everyone, and most recently an author. Her latest book, The Accidental Alpha Woman, was released in November because, you know, it was a pandemic year, so a good time to get things done in the, <laughs> in the publishing world. And um, I'm sorry, that's the latest book. The first book was The Complete Executive, published in 2012. Please welcome to our microphones, Karen Wright. Hello. Hello. Look around outside. Where are you today? I am in Toronto, Canada, where I have been relentlessly since last March. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember a year in my adult life when I haven't been on a plane. It's uh, yes. You and I used to have many chats about the joys of travel. How are you holding up without, without doing that? Honestly, I am so grateful for all of the things, you know, my kids are being smart, making good choices. They're both doing well. I have shelter. I have food. I have work. 
Um, you know, like really, uh, it's sure I'm a little bored. Sure. I'm a little cooped up. Sure. I'm a little scared by some of the things that are going on in the world. And all of the important things are in, you know, as, as good as I could possibly hope them to be. So there you go. Craig, I know you're being very polite by not butting in here, but you can butt in at will. <laughs> oh, I intend to, but I'm enjoying this reunion. I know it's been a long time coming, so I'm going to savor the joy and I'll butt in when appropriate. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's a reunion except for the hour-long text message conversation we had about a week and a half ago. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And totally randomly, right? Like Totally randomly. Conversation and then not talk for, for months or... Yeah. And then end up in New York City at the same time. Or, I mean, one of my favorite photos of Christopher and me was at the top of One World with my, with my at the time, 20-year-old son photobombing in the background. <laughs> it was very... It's a delight to know you, but I want to I talk about so many things. So, first of all, Karen, will you excuse me while I talk to Mr. Cassie for a moment? So, Craig, you've said that you identified as a, as a gay male. Is that true? Yeah, so, gang queer is how I'm identifying these days. See, I'm already lost. I'm, I'm an old person. We only had a couple of <laughs> a couple of choices when I was coming up. We didn't have all these choices. My uh, my question to you, though, I'm one of the perhaps most uh, notable things that's happened in the last couple of days is that Pete Buttigieg has become our transportation secretary here in the U.S. of A. And this is our first openly gay cabinet member. Now, I don't know if you've looked at other cabinet members because Openly gay might be the, the key word there, but um, let's talk about the, the significance of this and, and how, does it, how does it impact the world from your perspective? And I'm particularly interested in um, Karen, because uh, I imagine it's a little different view from Canada. So, Yeah, I mean, someone who has been elected official before at the lowest, lowest, lowest of levels for as a gay man, I can say that was even like a big door opening for us back then in 2011 to be elected to like local D.C. government. But to have someone who not only is he openly gay, but he is in a happy partnership. Um, He's someone who's actually melded every part of his identity together in this ascent. He's not hiding his gayness, his family. You know, his short subby dog that we all love seeing, his past in the military, and his own difficulties as mayor, working through what right now is one of the most prominent issues of our times, which is race relations. You know, he is someone who has said he hasn't gotten perfect. And when I look to the leadership that I want, especially if we bring in more people who look like me openly <laughs> and actually own that, the most impactful thing, I think, is his willingness to be honest about still being in process, about still learning and striving to serve all communities, even beyond the white and the gay, and really do well by all of us in this role as you know, secretary. Thanks, Karen. Anything you want to share from the land up north? Uh, I will not that I want to speak on behalf of all Canadians, but personally, I can say every time I see any inkling of, of social progress in the U.S., I'm very excited. Uh, I mean, you know, for all that our prime minister has his flaws, one of the first things he did was create a cabinet that was was diverse. It was 50 percent women. There were people of color. There were, you know, so there were we have our indigenous people represented. So, uh, you know, we've done a couple of things, I think, probably a little bit better. Um, And we tend to be more 
I mean, more, more sort of collaboratively open. I mean, I live in one of the most diverse cities in the world. And for the most part, that diversity is celebrated rather than creates conflict. So, um, yeah, anytime there's any inkling of, of that kind of social progress in the U.S., I think it's really exciting. Thanks. I, I want to go back and clean up something I said, because I made it sound like I could look at people's pictures of the cabinets that we've had in America and say, all I'm going to say, I, I certainly don't have that ability. And I certainly am not intimating that I know about people's private lives. I'm just saying, in my own lifetime, some of these people in the cabinet looked to me like they were open for offers. I wouldn't say that they were. I would just say they were open for offers. So, <laughs> well, um, if, you, if you can't say that, Christopher, at least in group, some of us probably feel the same way. So don't worry. <laughs> You're probably not alone. But you can leave it to the queer in the room to say it's possible probably trending on more likely than not <laughs> i mean on pure on pure percentages right <laughs> that's right if we just do the numbers that's right. if you just do the numbers all right but but uh, we've sort of come to it sideways around diversity but you know karen you and i have known each other for a while and i, I think the 2006 icf conference i stood up and uh at the general meeting of the icf leaders where i said hey we've got to do something about diversity because this room does not look like the world but that you know then i did some some few things after that you actually started a thing you actually founded coaching for everyone a nonprofit organization oh hang on hang on hang on hang on i did not found that well far, right here. far here. from it found i am a i am a founding member of oh okay okay so coaching for everyone was founded by a coach by the name of victor mcguire and he's uh, and so he's put together this organization. And yes, I am delighted to be one of the early people that uh, has joined that organization to help fundraise, to help advocate. Um, coaching for Everyone is an organization that is dedicated to democratizing and diversifying coaching. But I take no credit for starting it. I just take credit for finding it and jumping on board quickly. I apologize for my misspeaking and thank you for clarifying. Uh, no, no problem. My only question, though, is how do we do that, that democratizing and diversifying coaching? Holy smokes. I mean, yeah. I'm right with you. The, for, the very first ICF conference I ever went to, which was probably in 19, I'm going to say like 98 or something, um, possibly earlier. Uh, I was Although sitting the in the room. Yeah, go ahead. Right, exactly. Um, and I was sitting in the room and next to somebody who leaned toward me and said, look around and what do you see? And at that point, there maybe would have been three or four hundred people in the room, I guess. Um, and With I looked around and I said, right, exactly. A lot of that, a lot of that. Um, so I looked around and I said, hmm, I see a lot of women. And he said, and what don't you see? And I looked around and I said, I don't see any non-white faces, like not one. So, um, sadly, not a whole lot has changed in far too, far too broad an expanse of time. But the two things that coaching for everyone in particular is addressing is first of all, um, access to coach training. And so because coach training tends to be, as you may know, Christopher, um, somewhat expensive, uh, it, uh, there's a barrier to entry for anyone who doesn't happen to come from the a financial situation that can withstand that. And so one of the things that Coaching for Everyone is doing is fundraising to provide opportunities for um, people of color who are interested in becoming a coach to have access to coach training. And I think there are different ways that's happening. And I don't have the, the specific formula on the tip of my tongue. The other thing that Coaching for Everyone is doing is providing access to coaching services for uh, organizations that can benefit from it. And so as an example, there's um, 
uh, a project underway with a group in San, a not-for-profit in San Francisco that supports the development of, of um, people of color who are aspiring to leadership roles in various ways. So, so the, so both, so it's both on the, could we get more diverse coaches out into the world? And also can we provide better access to the benefits of coaching? So more people can, can develop into great leaders. Not surprisingly, and Craig, I want to remind you, you're going to have to force your way into this conversation. <laughs> um, but not surprisingly, um, I, uh, well, first of all, I agree with you that access is a key. We had Latanya Wilkins uh, on the program last week, and she's mm -hmm. uh, founder of the Change Coaches. She does a lot of work in this space. And um, she told me that there was one coach certification program that offered a scholarship for um for disadvantaged, marginalized, or, or oppressed peoples to get into the coach training. So I told her there's actually two because we've just launched one over at Accomplishment Coaching. So Wonderful. We've now, got, we've now got a scholarship. But that is that it? In other words, uh, people contributing and, and fundraising through Coaching for Everyone so that people can have access, more people can have access to coach training. And the coach training providers providing scholarships or scholarship seats in their programs are there any other access points or things that you think are important? Do we need to get out in communities and provide coaching? Do we need to provide more information? What do you see? All of the above. I just think that uh, coaching, I mean, I could, I could argue that the premise of coaching as you and I came to know it is, is inaccessible. So the idea of, and, and I know, I know that accomplishment coaching is not oriented this way, but a great many of the, air quotes, life coaching programs, um, I would say the lesser ones, tend to talk about things like purpose, you know, finding your life's purpose and all of that. Well, that is a luxury that is only available if you have the basics covered. And so I think the, the very starting point for what is coaching and why is it uh, an interesting thing, I think that has been set up for um, for, from a privileged perspective from the beginning. So I think if we focus on coaching as a communication methodology, as a way of unleashing potential, of really tapping people's unique um, abilities and personal resources, then I think we start to understand how providing access to coaching can really unlock human potential in lots of places. But the, you know, I think the life coaching business didn't do itself any favors from the beginning. Karen, I love what you put in there about really coaching as a form of communication to get people access to this. And when I look at, you know, my communities and, and the ones that, you know, the coaching programs are looking to start bringing in, these are people who are queer, these are younger people, people from different economic backgrounds. I see there being a big gap in access to just experience with coaching, even conversations coaching. I don't see many media figures out there who are doing this kind of work. We have shows about losing weight, but not shows about ontological work, really coaching the being. So what do you see as some stuff we might take on to, to A, bridge that divide, but really lean into communication around coaching as an access point? I uh, honestly, I don't even know where to start on that one. I think, um, one idea is some of the local coach chapters during International Coaching Week will set up opportunities for people to just sit down and have a chat with a coach, um, you know, which is, I mean, it's 
I, in the mark in marketing space that would be called sampling. Um, so, you know, to, to provide more people with more opportunities to just understand what is this, you know, what is, what, what does that feel like if I were to have a conversation, I think to embed coaching in all management training programs, I mean, right down to the very front lines of service industries and hospitality industries to include the idea of coach concepts into, into some of those um, kind of programs that really do reach out to a, a socioeconomic group that is much different than those who currently have access to the formal conventional coach training. So, I mean, for me, it, it is, it's a communication methodology, that methodology that um, that, yeah, I think just could, could afford to be more broadly understood. You might have loved talking with Latanya from last week. She gave the same recommendation, didn't she, Christopher, to bring coaching actually into managerial trainings to give people access to those kinds of DEI conversations they might not tap into elsewhere. I've, knowing that you listened to last week's program, <laughs> I've never been happier in my, well, I had a couple of kids, but other than that, this is it. <laughs> A peak moment. A peak moment. <laughs> it really is. Um, I love that. Karen, you're you're somebody who's been around for a while. In fact, did you did I get this right? You recently gotten a lifetime achievement award for coaching. Just, and I'm I'm sure they meant that nicely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. it's, it's like, like, so, it's like somebody it. once called somebody once called me the grandmother of coaching and it's like yeah i'm sure they meant that nicely um uh one of the so so the icf chapter um had this lifetime achievement award and uh, my good friend michael bungay stanier wrote a lovely letter supporting me for this particular award but he said that they actually should consider not giving it to me because i'm not done yet <laughs> so yeah i do think i've got a few more miles left in the tank <laughs> Dude, you know everybody, if I may call you dude. The, um, the, <laughs> no, Michael, no offense taken. <laughs> Michael's amazing, and Craig is amazing. You know all these people. I how try. Do, I know you. Are, are you? I know you. Well, <laughs> that's just so funny. Right? What's the, uh, what's the secret? How do you know all these people? Because isn't coaching by nature sort of an insular profession? Don't we just sit in our second bedrooms and, you know, talk to, uh, talk to humans one at a time? I have always believed in the power of having a great network. And so, you know, one of the ways coaches build business is by referral. And so, you know, unless people know about you, they can't refer. So, um, I mean, I'm an extrovert and I love what I do and I truly believe in the power of it in, in all its forms and a whole bunch of forms we don't even know about yet. And I'm happy to talk about it. And I like to think that I build a network full of awesome people that are genuinely interested in making the world a better place. I would say that's probably the common thread with any of the, the names that I drop or the people that I create connections with in random focus groups, as an example, Craig. Um, then I think that I, I think that genuinely one of the values that we all share is that idea of there's probably something we can do to make the world a better place. And I mean, Karen, my experience of you is really that you're a networker on Red Bull because it's not just the people you know who are kind enough to, you know, recommend you for a lifetime achievement award, but your company itself is really the first was kind of bring coaching to a global scale. And you've done the expansion from, you know, you as a professional to really bring in an amazing team. 
And as a newer coach, I'd love to hear about that process, the expansion to truly being a coach of global impact. Thanks. That's a really fun story. Um, so if you start with the fact that I came into coaching from a career in marketing and advertising, specifically launching new products. So I knew how to bring business skills into a situation where there, you know, the world didn't know what coaching was or, or you know, anything at all about it. So that's where I started. And I come from business. Right? So you know, the MBA and all of that good, crunchy credibility stuff. So when I began coaching, I was interested in coaching business people. And uh, I had an experience. I'd been working inside one of the big telecom companies in Canada. I was working with a couple of um, colorful personalities. Let's just put it that way. These, these were really tough customers. It was uh, one of the big sales leaders, one of the big supply chain leaders. And the HR person came to me and said, I don't know what you're doing, but it's something is different about what you're doing than what any of the other coaches we have working in here are doing because you're getting better results with tougher people. So if you could please go get some more coaches and teach them to coach the way you coach, we'd like to give you more business. And I immediately said, sure, that sounded like a great idea. But what that did was it forced me to pull back and wonder what was it that I was doing? And from there, I created this little checklist of here's what I think has to be true in order for someone to be a really effective executive coach. And I'm crystal clear about the lane that I'm in. It is executive coaching all the way. Um, and so, you know, I pulled back and I took a look and I said, well, I've got a business education. That's a good starting point. I understand the language of business. I had a corporate career, so I understand the life of an executive. And I've been coaching long enough to have built some skills. I've taken a couple of training programs. I've worked hard to be good at what I do. And so because I love a good alliteration, it's education, expertise, and experience. And so then I went looking for coaches who had those same attributes. And I now have this amazing team of coaches who are successful in their own rights. They don't need me for groceries. They like the fact that I feed them good business because I'm comfortable out there talking about coaching and we do great work. So we get lots of referrals um, and it's just continued. And honestly, this last year has been extraordinary for the business. Um, and even just in this last couple of weeks, I've gotten some inquiries that are making my eyes pop out of my head a little bit. It's pretty fun. So we're in a really, really good place and adding to the team regularly. So maybe we should talk. <laughs> I'm always open to that conversation. Maybe <laughs> our listeners are too. But thanks for for sharing that that list of the triple E's. Um, I might need to do that for my sex coaching work. Brand that for my upcoming team. Um, you know, as you look to what's next in the future as well. You say this past year has been a great year for your group and and all the work you're taking on. What do you see as around the corner for entities like yours who are committed to a bigger mission, but are also bigger in and of themselves? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, you have to do good work, right? And you have to keep doing good work. And so um, to never, never stop building your skills, right? Never stop um, really focusing on the clients, right? I just, you can't sit back and, and just sort of figure that you've, you know, you've got it all figured out. So uh, I think constant commitment to learning and growth is a big piece of it. Um, and I think listening to the customer, listening to what's really going on in the world and what they're working on, certainly the kind of, I don't know if you've experienced this, like the nature of the coaching conversations this past year has been quite different than it had been in previous years because the leaders were dealing with 
incredibly difficult things, issues and decisions. And I mean, just the, the kinds of conversations we've had to have have been, um, I mean, exhausting differently than they have been otherwise, but that's just been what's been required of us. And so that's what we do. I don't know if that's specific enough, but that's, that's kind of it. I'm still working on the first one. Do good work. Um, <laughs> by the way, my invitation to your, to your company, I guess it's in the mail. I, I did move. Yeah, never mind. That's okay. <laughs> um, so uh, I want to talk about books. Okay. Are you okay for a jump shift there? The I can follow. The, my first question, and forgive me for being whatever this is, ignorant or, or, or unwise, but I don't know why we write books. Why do you write a book? <laughs> um, somebody called me a writer once and I said, no, I'm a coach who wrote something. There's a really big difference because okay. I have friends who, who think in words and, you know, and I'm just not Michael, Michael's one of those guys. Yeah. He's totally one of those guys. Right. So, um, no, I, I don't consider myself a writer whatsoever. So I only write and, you know, my web guy and my SEO guy are crazy because I don't blog very often. I only write when I have something to say. Now, the most recent book took me 15 years to live before it took me three months to write. Um, and, and the only reason I got it done was because I signed up for a program that stepped me through a base camp project that ensured I delivered piece by piece. So, um, yeah. So why do we write books? I, I just, I wrote the first one, the, the complete executive. I wrote that because it's, it is useful as a coach to have some sort of a calling card, a little bit of a credibility thing that says, here's my philosophy. Here's my approach. That is useful. Um, the second one is is much more personal, and I mostly wrote it to get it out of my head. I'd been thinking about it, living it, talking about it, test driving it for years and years and years. And so finally, it was like, I'm just going to do it, and then it's done. So now now it's done. Now I don't know what's next. <laughs> uh, Craig's probably going to jump in, but uh, one, of my, one of my questions is the complete executive. You wrote this eight years ago, nine years ago now, in 2012, yeah. right? Yeah. And anything that's changed in that or is that still still a standalone beautiful uh the i mean i'm sure there are a couple of quotes and you know people references in there that are, that are probably a little bit out of date but yeah i know right um the philosophically it still stands in right. that it was a 10 step model where I led with health. Like when was the last time you saw a leadership development book that started with health? Because in my view, unless you take care of your health, nothing else is possible. Especially and, because it's the first oh, thing. Oh. oh my gosh. I mean, I tell a story in that book of sitting with an executive who wanted me to help him be more productive. And then he mentioned in passing that he'd had a bad EKG. <laughs> and I just said, you know, I'm done here. Like either we talk about what's really important or I'm, I can't continue because I will not contribute to you actually killing yourself because that was a real possibility. So, so um, yeah. And the people that I love working with in, in the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I still do are those people who prioritize their health. They prioritize their family and their relationships while they're up to something big in the world. So yeah, the model from the, the complete executive still stands.
Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Now, expanding that to the accidental alpha woman, first off, what a great time for this book is it's really targeting those whose life feels overwhelming. I don't know anyone who has not felt overwhelmed this past year, right. even when we quote unquote do less in the world. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, the reviewers of the book, they praise your, your vulnerable, authentic storytelling. I'm curious, is there anything that you've uh, experienced in the past year that you would have liked to been able to add in one more time to support other alpha, accidental alpha women who are in overwhelm? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, you know, I wrote the book kind of August, September. So there was a lot of 2020 already, um, already in the rearview mirror by that point. Um, I think what we've seen in tw- through 2020 and continuing on into 2021 is a, an actual exacerbation of some of the issues that I talk about in the book, because the accidental alpha woman is a woman who is living a life that includes far too many responsibilities and roles some of which she didn't plan for or sign up for. So I know lots of alpha women, intentional alpha women who are out there crushing it and, you know, taking on big, you know, big responsibilities, uh, accomplishing big things, but they're doing that because they decided to do that and because they set themselves up with systems and people and structures and processes and so on that will enable them to focus on the things that they want to do in the world. The accidental alpha is the one that all of a sudden finds himself, you know, going down in the deep end because they can't tread water anymore because they're just trying to be too many things to too many people. And that aspect of it has just gotten way, 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 way worse. There's all sorts of research now, about the, Um, the number of women at executive levels who have opted out of their careers this past year because the work work was the one thing that they could say no to, that they could extricate themselves from. And that's tragic, right? That, you know, a fulfilling career has to be opted out of or at least temporarily suspended because homeschooling and aging parents and, 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 you know, all the things, right? 
Yeah, I hear the, uh, the heartbreak in that. And I feel it for those around me who are even faced with having to make that choice. And I'm curious as you see it, what if you could give one laser point of advice to those people who are at that choice point? What do I do? I feel overwhelmed. What would you say? The core principle in the book is about receiving. And women, for the most part, and I speak first and foremost for myself, we are genuinely terrible at asking for help and receiving it when it shows up, especially if we didn't actually ask for it. So uh, to, to reach out to any, anyone you can, anywhere, to ask for help. You know, if people don't know you need it, they won't offer it. So think about how you can receive gifts, support, information, suggestions, intuitive messages from the universe, you name it. Uh, you're just open to maybe I don't have to handle this all myself. Maybe I don't have to come up with all the ideas and solve all the problems and, you know, bake all the cupcakes and all of the things, right? So um, that's really for me the if you can open the door to being to being willing to receive and just being open a little bit more, I think that starts to make progress against this issue. Oh, I feel it over here, Chris. How about you? I'm not even a healthy woman. I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> You're always an alpha to me. The, um, the, <laughs> it's really hitting home. Thanks for saying it that way, Craig, because uh, this is my wife all over. You know, I live with this person, but I also coach some of these people, right? So I love the, uh, you know, I, I also hear the con connection to the complete executive, right? Like we've got to put our own mask on first. We've got to take care of ourselves first, right? So for for the people that I'm coaching, especially the women in, the, in these situations, I love this title, the accidental alpha woman. I didn't really get it until, oh, because you took on this thing and then you were the cookie mom and then you've got all the kids to school and all the things, right? So pretty soon everything's on your shoulders and there's no fun happening. And that's exactly what's happening in my house. And, you know, with my wife, my spouse, my partner, my love, my, so, uh, what I'm hearing for myself or here for my clients is take care of yourself and practice asking for anything, literally anything. I mean, I could be tiny, tiny, tiny thing, yeah. because I think that's a big part of it, right? Is that you feel some sort of, to Craig's earlier point, shame or, or guilt or something. If you ask for things, you're not supposed to ask, supposed to do everything yourself out magically. <laughs> A little bit. Well, and one of the most useful things I heard um, was actually from a male friend of mine who said the problem is the the lack of the specific ask. So I could say, Christopher, I would just love it if you would just help me. But you're going to be looking around going, where do you want me to help? I don't know. Whereas if I said, could you go to the grocery store and get me these 12 things? You can probably do that. And so the more specific the ask, we have to get better at asking, right? We just have to perform a higher quality question. Well, and, and being married, I know that I would get the wrong 12 things, but there would still be 12. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I believe you. <laughs> but the, the thing that you're giving me personally or that I'm taking personally is that um, my wife does this all the time, right? She'll do everything. And then I'll say, how can I help? What can I do? What can I, you know, can I help you? No, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, but I'm hearing that that's a, that's a disconnect for 
her on some level, there's a not okayness about asking. So if I just sort of elbow my way in and take out the trash or deliver the kid to the dance or the soccer or the whatever, then that, that as a partner, that's, that's something I can provide that her lack of, or our partner's lack of specific ask is not a reason to not specific provide. Right. So two, two things come up for me there. One of which was a good advice, good piece of advice I was given when I had my kids, which was to never critique how your spouse does something because then they will never do it again. Right. So if, you know, so if the spouse, if your husband diapers the baby and they don't diaper the baby exactly the way you would diaper it, do not correct them because you're never going to catch them doing it again. Um, so yeah, so that would be, that would be one of the things to, uh, to think about. Um, I forget what the other thing was. Anyways, there were two, I'm sure. In my house, we're diapering the husband. It's a whole different deal. I mean, there are some Uh, good takeaways I'm hearing from that for myself. But, you know, (laughs) I will say this, Karen, as a sex coach, the art of receiving can be difficult sometimes, especially if the person doesn't trust that they're going to get what they're asking for. So, Christopher, for you and for me, you know, you have a wife and I have a lovely, strapping young man as a partner. But when I'm looking at what he actually uh, had asked for in the past and has stopped asking for, it's those things that made an impact that I didn't fulfill on once or twice. And so now I'm going back into my own life looking at where did I maybe drop the ball, where I trained him in not asking me, and how can I actually go back and give him that thing? Because it's not serving either one of us to have that kind of energy in our space. But I recognize that he no longer asks for me to do the dishes, and I'm grateful. But it doesn't mean that that wouldn't be impactful for him. Well, let me tell you that when you share living space with someone, there is nothing sexier than seeing that person with their hands in the dishwater or with their hands on a vacuum. <laughs> That's why I love him so much. Well, Lily, not where found yet. Getting there. Work in progress. Although we've had some vacuum accidents in my bedroom, so we're not. Uh... <laughs> okay. Maybe too much information. Just different time. <laughs> you are very generous and delightful as as uh, promised and advertised um uh karen and carrie but karen you are also very generous you're giving us uh some some of our lucky listeners will get a copy of the accidental alpha woman um mm-hmm. how how would you like to choose it do you want us to choose you could you could pick a number between one and you know 12 uh and then that person could win or do you have some other game of chance you'd like to enjoy i you know i generally leave that up to the podcast hosts generally people have done things like um when they post the episode on instagram comment and tag a friend and those who do will get put in a random draw um i have other swag i can send you as well so i'm gonna send you a couple things you can uh you can have many swag well the book is the most important Um, it really is but there's also a mug Nice. I know, right? We can use it while reading the book together. Ooh, I know. So, yeah, I'm going to send you a little care package with a couple of things in it. Thank you very much. Pick uh, two numbers between one and 12. Four and nine. Incorrect. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We will will send uh, a care package to the fourth and the ninth person to email producer at the coachingshow.com. Thecoachingshow.com. Although I love your thing, it's so much smarter to tag and do all the things. But 
It involves social media, Christopher. So I'm sorry. That's a bit of a problem. I have people. I have people who know what that is. <laughs> this is why I'm here. Karen will talk. We'll talk. We'll get Christopher there one day. Hand in hand. One day. <laughs> He's good at so many other things. We don't That's really right. need to ask that of him. <laughs> Grandpa, don't touch the internet. Don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, and, and yes, those triple zeros are supposed to be flashing on your VCR. <laughs> uh, wow. That just seemed that seemed hurtful, Karen. That's <laughs> over my head, y'all. That's over my head. Wow. <laughs> Long time ago, there were these machines called video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, okay. What's your what's your vision for the accidental alpha woman? Are you gonna create the the AAW retreats and the AAW? Is this your Brene Brown moment? Or is this you know, I've been I've been debating that. So um yeah, I mean, this is new space for me, right? Because the core business is so corporately focused. So yeah, there will there will come a time when I will run group coaching programs. And I mean, I, I've had great fun running retreats in the past, just sort of for fun. So, um, you know, I'll probably do that. But, you know, 2021, I don't know whether that's the year. Um, but yeah, so there's a website. It's um, accidentalalphawoman.com. And that is just starting to be populated. I'm going to be profiling some accidental alpha women. And uh, so, you know, there'll be a blog that'll um, have some nice profiles on it. And, uh, and yeah, you know, there will be, there will be things. I'm most, mostly with the book, I'm really interested in women finding it and resonating with it and telling their friends about it. And that's really what's happening so far is that someone will read it and they'll think, oh my gosh, I just, I see myself in this. I see myself in the stories of the other women. I have so many friends who understand this situation. I'm going to share this book. And so my favorite thing is seeing people post on social media that they bought 10 copies and they're sending them to their friends. It's a beautiful and much needed and I think um, unprecedented effort. I really love it. And I'm immediately thinking of at least five people I need to send it to. So you'll get my word. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Craig, I'm, I'm interested in the confluence of your positive psychology background and Karen's. How do you think that's, it's an open question for you both. How do you think that's impacting your coaching? And isn't it kind of hard to tell sometimes when it's a positive psychology moment or a coaching moment, aren't they sort of close by? Well, there's so much similarity. The positive psychology uh, provides a lot of the science behind why coaching works, I think. What do you think, Craig? Oh, completely. For me, positive psychology gave me the confidence that coaching wasn't bullshit because I was not (laughs) a full believer, to be honest with you. I read a lot of positive psychology and psychology today magazines, too, that had a different commentary on coaching as a practice. Positive psychology is what lets me be fully a coach. I don't even bring it into my conversations. It just lets me move with more ease and actually trust my gut, knowing that what I'm talking about, backed by science, has a lot of tangible results proven time and time and time again, mm-hmm. and um, to actually support people in the coaching container as a result. You know, it's about their development, not the answers I can give. So that's what I take away, Karen. What about you? Yeah, really, really similar. And what I also found, so my positive psychology teacher is a woman named Emilia Zivotovskaya. She runs a program called the Flourishing Center. And um, she is 
she's so steeped in research. She's got all the science and all the data for, for everything that she teaches. But she started her professional journey when she was in college. She was a children's party entertainer. And so taking a course from Amelia involves all sorts of exercises and games and really engaging ways of, of um, really getting connected with the subject matter. And so that for me was a great way to understand the degree to which exercises and um, little fun little tools and things can really um, create powerful learning moments. So that was through the number of layers to that. But I agree with what you said. It did. It really does explain why what we understand as coaching really does work. It sounds so powerful. Where where do we start? Do we have to go uh, hang out with? Is it Emil? Emily? Emilia. Emilia, yeah, and I, I'll uh, give you her contact information for the show notes if you like. Um, I mean, she's she, she so she's a Penn grad, right? She's a MAP grad from uh, from Penn, so um, and one of the original Martin Seligman students. So she comes with that that same pedigree as so many of the great positive psychology teachers do. She just happens to be a personal favorite of mine because there's this fantastic layer of fun embedded in everything. Is there a, is there a book or an article or something that you recommend for coaches everywhere as a starting Ooh, place or should we all say yeah yeah um, I mean Amelia would be very happy to uh, to offer that up but uh, you know what let me think about that and Craig if you have any ideas I'm interested but I think I mean my I've got a whole bookshelf that is all positive psychology stuff so I don't know that there's one but I'll see if I can come up with maybe one or two recommendations yeah if I could give one or two off the top. I think foundationally to understand where positive knowledge came from and how we use those practitioners and just people flow and flourishing, um, flourishing Martin Seligman. And then, uh, flow, I'm going to mispronounce his name. So I apologize in advance. Uh, Mikhail, Mikhail Chick sent me high. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> not my guest. That's not my first four seconds. Thank you for that. Chick sent me high. They'll be so happy to listen into this now. Um, that's probably a rare occurrence for that to, to be pronounced correctly, but those are really where I built my foundation. I think they're a good starting place. Online, yep. too, there's a lot of public journal articles now being shared about the science behind positive psychology. So if you are curious, Know that you don't even need to buy the book. If you want to go deeper, there are a lot of tools being open sourced on the internet that you can bring into your practice, really research and understand at a, at a deeper level for free too. Yeah, and Amelia's website's theflourishingcenter.com. There's a lot of resources there as well. Thank you both for that. And can we just agree that it's enough already with the single word titles for books? <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at my shelf and there's I know. genius and pragmatism and essentialism <laughs> flow and flourishing. And it's like, it's enough. Enough, I know. Give me a phrase for crying out I know, I know. Uh, but, but not with profanity in it because I think that's had its day as well. All right. Well, Let's there go my two next book titles. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Craig. <laughs> here's, here's one for your sex coach practice. Stop it. That was <laughs> There's a a great old joke that uh, Ellen DeGeneres used to tell about about why why should we film ourselves during sex? Why should we? Unless it's going to be an instructional video. Uh, Speaking of which, um, Craig, you're as a as a person who delves into the sex lives of your clients. I'm imagining you're extracting some themes from over time. 
And, and Karen, I imagine that like me, well, not like me, but in your own inimitable way, you're sometimes in that area with your clients because, you know, 20 minutes into any performance issue at work, we're usually talking about something that's at home. So I'm envisioning that you may have had some encounters with this yourself. If you have something to share with thousands of coaches about supporting people in their sexual journeys, what would you give people? Are you asking me about the sex question? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you both. You know what? I think that all things can be improved with focus. If you make that a a book title, I'm not reading it, just so you know. (laughs) But the idea of paying high quality focused attention to anything or anyone, I think that improves the quality of uh, of the interaction, whatever the nature of that interaction might be. I'm hearing, I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing slow down and um, really be present. As, am I picking up what you're laying down there? Absolutely. And that's parenting, partnering, sex, work, leadership, all of it. I'm sorry, what? I'm kidding. I'm just, <laughs> <great>. <laughs> all good answers. You know, I agree with the slow down. Really, mindfulness is at the core you know, actually being physically present with the touch, with the taste, with the smell, whatever draws you in. The number one issue that I actually hear from clients as they relate to it, that takes them out of good sex, is they're in their head. They're worried about performance. They're worried about, are they going to be able to get off? They're worried about something else, the kids, school, whatnot. Am I even attractive anymore to them? So the number one piece of advice there is begin to practice leaning into Really mindfulness storing sex the same way you would elsewhere. We focus on one sensation at a time. We really take everything in. We hold it with reverence and we invite our partner to take part of the process. And a practice nice. for those who want to try this who doesn't come naturally to, have both of you wear blindfolds and just feel each other up. The name of the game is make each other feel good. We're not trying to orgasm or climax. We're just trying to enjoy that kind of connection. And taking away eyesight opens up so many doors and really, I find, gets us back into our bodies. I do, think we've, I, I do think we've all become conditioned to use our brains far too much in everything. Right? So. Yeah. And there's a reason why during sex, the brain begins to shut down in some ways and turns up in others. We go back right. to our lizard brain functioning. So we just need to go more with that. <laughs> in some directions. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it feels like there's a follow-up, but I can't find it. <laughs> Thank you for hearing the joke in that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Every once in a while, I have to laugh at my own jokes. The, um, Someone has to. <laughs> that's Terrible job. I feel like I feel like I'm echoing Craig's earlier question, but Karen, you've you've created an amazing wake professionally as as well as personally. But you know the number of people that know you, that know your work, that have uh, gained so much from working with you, from being with you, from associating with you, is huge. Um, and you know you're a person whose hair color has changed 
and who's, <laughs> who's now got a different number, uh, you know, in your, in your birthday cards. What, um, what are you feeling is your next thing? I mean, I, I guess I could ask maybe a little better if I were more self-revealing, but I noticed that as I'm getting to a certain place in my career and in my life, I'm kind of struggling because I don't have quite the desire to build an empire that I once did, but I've got, um, I've got a lot more humanitarian type of goals. I'm wondering if mm-hmm. you can speak to your sort of the arc of your career in that. Mm. In that well, there's a very, so if anyone has read the accidental alpha woman book, you'll understand that, um, from a financial perspective, I will work, I will be working for quite some time. Um, so, you know, you know, I won't go into the details of that, but let's just say that, that, um, yeah, I'm having to climb out of a bit of a, having to climb out of a bit of a hole. Let's, let's say and, it's important and, to marry well, but it's also important to divorce well. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and I'm so grateful that the business does what it does and is thriving the way it is thriving. Um, so for me, the, the, the shift I'm undergoing at the moment is really being intentional about taking on the one-on-one clients that I work with very selectively. I still love one-on-one. I'll, I'll always do some of it, but I'm really being mindful about um, having a very small number of one-on-one clients myself and feeding the business that's coming in out to the coaches on the team and building out that team where necessary. So, so really creating um, a much more substantial business out of you know what has been a fun little sort of boutique for a long time i'm trying to really kind of kick it up a notch right now um if i got it to the place where i could sell it in a few years that would be nice and that would give me some flexibility and uh in, for the moment coaching for everyone is is getting quite a bit of my attention because that i think in the spirit of improving the profession that i love so much I really want the coaching profession to be able to make the kind of contribution that I think is possible to the world. And beyond that, you know, I have some, some pet interests, literacy and, um, you know, entrepreneurship for women in under, underdeveloping countries. And so, you know, there's a few things on the radar, but for the moment it's build out the business so I can feed the really, really, really good coaches that I know who prefer not to do the selling and marketing, but really want to do the work. So beautiful. And literacy for our American friends. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, Craig, I'd love to get you in here because I want to I also articulate, if we can, sort of a, a career trajectory as coach, you know, for our listeners. And maybe this is just me that's interested and that wouldn't be the first time. But um, so, Craig, how, how much you've been a coach for two years, did you say? Yeah, two years full time. How much of that time is hustle? Um, less and less now, but I would say in the beginning, I was focusing on content creation and relationship building everywhere. I mean, I'm posting on Instagram, heart-centric content. I'm reaching out to people from all parts of my life. We're talking about back home in the suburbs where I haven't been in 10 years. (laughs) And not to get clients, but to build relationships so people could enroll others in my being. Um, so when I hear you, Karen, talk about building up this business with a place where you can leave it, I'm looking at moving from one-to-one in my current group coaching practice to I'm now hiring staff to support me. And I'm actually knocking at the door of how do I build a team that's in line with my vision and and my impact in a way that serves them. I really care about the people I want to work with. And 
I love your approach of really, I won't call you the grandmother of coaching, but the experience is you bring a lot of heart to those who work for you because you want this to be a win-win for them too. And yeah. Karen, from, from your perspective, how many years of coaching? 20? Ooh, this will be 25, 25 this year. Yeah, September will be 25. So can you give our, our newer coaches a, a sort of a mall map, if you will, or the, or the <laughs> arc of the career? Did you, was there a point where, have you just been hustling straight through? Or is there a point where you sort of stopped hustling or, or you know, did or changed your attention? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I've ever hustled. What I focused on is doing really good work and then being explicit about asking for referrals. And that I think is a piece of the puzzle that a lot of coaches overlook because if I, and I can give you stories and examples of times when I've said, you know, to, you know, a client, I'm glad you've had a great experience. I've loved working with you. I have room in my practice for two more clients. And so if you could make referrals to two people, and I can't tell you how many times I get two referrals in that conversation. And so if every client gives you two referrals, well, guess what happens to your business pretty quickly, right? So it's just being mindful about asking, first of all, doing great work and then asking. So, and that, and I would say that the, the moment that I talked about when I was asked to build out the team, that was at the five-year point of my career. And nobody wants to hear that the way to build a coaching practice is to spend a whole lot of time working really, really hard. They don't want to hear that, but that's really what's involved. Oh, it's so beautiful and so refreshing. <laughs> but I also but I also want to give people like Craig, you know, who are in their first years of coaching, the clarity that there's a limited time, right? Mm. And speaking of limited time, I've gone over our time because I enjoy this conversation so much. But I but I want to just put a, a sort of a point on that. So there's some amount of work, right? You got to go out and build your practice, build your practice, build your name, build your name. And then yeah. there's some amount of time where it becomes more routine and less dire, as you said, less, less about the groceries, Karen, right? And more about, oh, this is the hum of me continuing to do business. Am I getting yeah. that? Yeah. And I think along the way, being crystal clear what lane you're in, who you are, who you work with, you know, not trying to be all things to all people. Well, I want to give you each a moment uh, before we say goodbye. So um, start thinking about what your parting thought or parting shot to a few thousand coaches would be today. Oh, excellent. This is perfect. <laughs> this is exactly what should happen right now. They have some um, thoughts they want to share too, apparently. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so I will mute myself. And um, do you mind if we uh, end with you, Karen? So Craig, your, your parting thought or parting shot and then Karen. Yeah, absolutely. First off, thank you all for listening. And Karen, thank you just for your wisdom. You are such a treat to be with in every sense of the word. Um, to all those who are listening, if you are a beginning coach, know that you are doing it and should celebrate your victories every step of the way. That's been the game changer for me. It's actually sitting with my own progress and looking at it, I'm not saying it is too slow or isn't fast enough. Um, but for those who are looking to actually build up their sales chops and do it from heart and spirit, I uh, currently work with clients who are looking to build up their practices completely from authenticity, having every step of the process be the way they want the results to feel. Typically, that's fun, adventurous, and also financially abundant. Uh, feel free to reach out to me if you want to have those kinds of conversations. They are my favorite right now. and I'm always happy to support. That is fantastic. And I love the clarity. For someone who's only been coaching for two years, you've got a whole lot figured out. So nicely done. 
Um, and for me, I am always eager to um, uh, encourage people into this business when they want to take it seriously. So, you know, anyone who asks me, well, what, what's the secret to building a great coaching business? Well, first off, take a course, take a program, you know, get serious about building your skills. Because from there, you will do great work, which will result in happy clients who will tell other people. And it becomes relatively easy to generate momentum from that. And again, with the minor caveat that you should probably tell people that's what you're interested in doing. Um, but, but for me, it so starts with, and, and also taking a program that requires you to do work on yourself, because there's nothing worse than a coach who has learned the skills, but hasn't dealt with their own baggage. Um, and, uh, and so coaches who've been around for a long time are generally the ones who've been always in the process of figuring their own stuff out. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a long way at it, but, uh, it's a fantastic profession. If you had told me 25 years ago, I would still be doing it after this much time. I would have laughed. Um, but it is, you know, no two days are the same and, and working with the people and seeing them light up and flourish is, uh, is completely amazing. Such a beautiful way of saying that. And you're exactly right. It's the, I often say the worst day of coaching is better than the best day of any other job I have. A hundred percent. Karen Wright, thank you so much. The latest book is The Accidental Alpha Women. Get one not only for yourself, but for every one of the alpha women in your life. Um, and uh, the website, what, where website, where should people go? I can't even believe I've left this is it Parachute Executive Coaching? Is that where you want that, to go? That's the, that's the company website, yeah. Parachute, P-A-R-A-C-H-U-T-E, Executive Coaching. I'm not going to spell those for you. Also, AccidentalAlphaWoman, singular.com. Yep. Um, it's so delightful to be with you, and I'm so grateful for your time today. Thank you for your Thanks. wisdom, your leadership, and your uh, delightful friendship. It's something I treasure. I treasure you, too. Thanks for inviting me. Nice to see you, as always. And Craig, fun to hang out again. Always a pleasure. <laughs> oh, before we go, we have to talk about this. So this is my this is my new look. I'm I'm uh, channeling Larry David with the cashmere hoodies. Yep. Thoughts, people, people. Yep, it's totally working for you. Craig, it's a look. It's you know I'm. I'm I'll get back it's to a you. Look. On that. <laughs> Craig, I know criticism when I don't hear. It. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both very much. And thank you, dear listener. That's another edition of The Coaching Show, where each week we bring you people out in the world of coaching that you need to know that are doing something interesting or they're just plain brilliant like today. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>